You ever just have one of those moments sneak up on you? You know, wasn't quite expecting it. It, uh, ooh, mm, having to recover. This didn't happen in first service. I, uh, I was thinking about that song that we're just singing. And I, I remember singing it back in the, in the old building. And it was during COVID. And there was nobody in the room. And it was at the beginning of COVID and we were kind of curious, what's, gonna, what's it gonna look like one day? Is church ever gonna reopen? Is church ever gonna look the same? Are people gonna come back? <laughs> Stand out there singing and God told me, look around. When you think the world's falling apart, you just remember, I'm still in control. I'm still God. And I'm gonna... I think somebody needed to hear that today. I don't, I don't know what you're going through, but I think before I even get the message started, God, wants, God brought you here today so you can hear that he's got this and he's got you and it's going, I don't know who that was for, but he messed me up for it. So you better receive it. <laughs> this is grape juice. If this is real wine, I'd just be hitting the communion cup over and over again, all right? Hey, uh, if you, we are doing communion today, so if you're sitting in a seat right in front of you, there's, there's, we got them like jammed down in the chair thing because that's how we do. We don't, we, we don't have enough money to do the fancy cups on the back of the seats yet, but we'll get there, all right? But you've got it in front of you, and we're going to do this at the end of the service. Um, I want to do a quick survey. I want to find out what kind of what I'm working with. What am I working with here today? So if you, if you are from a church background and your church background mostly is, is Baptist, would you, would you raise your hand for a second? Okay, wow, dear God, all right, that's awesome. <laughs> These are all the people that won't wave at you in the liquor store, all right? That, that's who just raised their hand. Um, how about uh, uh, Catholic, Catholic background? Okay, Catholic. Um, Presbyterian, Presbyterian. Okay, you were predestined to raise your hand, that's awesome. Methodist, Methodist. Lutheran, charismatic, yeah, thank you very much. In the last service, I said that, and people were like, I was like, you're not a charismatic. Hopefully, I, 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 I'm from, I'm, okay, Wesleyan, Wesleyan, okay. I'm from a Wesleyan background, meaning the first 11 years of my life, I went to church whether I wanted to or not. My mom took me to church, and I went to a Wesleyan church, and I remember um, in our church, there was a table down front that sat in front of the pulpit. And on this table, there were some words carved. And, and this is pretty common in a lot of churches. Some of you know what exactly what I'm talking about. And the carving said, this do in remembrance of me. Yeah. And I th always thought that was, I remember sitting there looking at it going, that's not, that's not right. That's not this do in, like, who, who said that? So I asked my mom one time, I said, I said, what is mama, who said that? And she said, Jesus. He probably failed grammar then because you don't, this do and it doesn't sound like something Jesus would say. It sounds like something Yoda, Yoda would say, right? <laughs> this do and remember some me. Like I could just, it's how I paid attention in church. So don't judge me. I didn't understand like the Lord's Supper because the church I went to, um, and I don't, know, I don't know how it is in churches, but the church I grew up in, I don't ever really remember doing communion, the Lord's Supper. And then, um, in fact, the first time I was offered communion, I was in a Catholic church. 
Um, I, well, I would say I was, I went to the Catholic church with my friend and I kind of got in trouble because I was like, I mean, stand, kneel, sit, stand, kneel, sit. And I was like, I didn't come to an aerobics class and his mom got me. Anyway, so it came time for communion and, um, and they were going up to get communion and they told me it was real wine. And I was like, yeah, so I'm talking about. And uh, they said, oh, you can't go because you're not Catholic. And I said, well, I'll, I'll be Catholic. And so you got to go through a class. And I was like, no, nah, I ain't worth all that. So, so I, I didn't. And then I went to charismatic church for a while and they didn't do communion. And then I went to a Baptist church and um, I remember the pastor that morning saying, tonight we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And I got so excited because listen, in, in church world, if you, if you come from a church, like, like if you've ever been in a really small church, one of the best things about one of them really small churches is, is, is what they would call homecoming Sundays and all the little old ladies would make their best thing and they would bring like mac and cheese. There's 17 dishes of mac and cheese just everywhere. And, you, and there was that one cat lady, you didn't eat anything she brought because that's, she was the cat lady. But <laughs> it's true, it's true, I'm just saying. So I thought, man, tonight's gonna be that. We're going and then I came in to church. I'm not making this up, it's a Sunday night. And they passed out the cracker and the juice. And I was like, Lord must have been skinny <laughs> if this is all he ate for supper. And then, and then I eventually became a pastor and somebody asked me, hey man, when are we gonna do communion? And I said, we're working on it. In church world, we're working on it means we don't know. We haven't figured it out, but we're thinking. So, so I dug into the scriptures and tried to figure out what communion is and and the Bible's not specific on how often it should be celebrated. Some churches do it every week. Some churches do it once a quarter. Some churches do it twice a year. The Bible just says that when it is celebrated, which by the way, it is a celebration. When it is celebrated, it should be done with the complete focus on Jesus. And so that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna celebrate communion, completely focusing on Jesus, who he is, and why we have this incredible, incredible opportunity to celebrate communion. I don't know if you remember the first time you got to experience communion, but my, my prayer is that today, that somebody in this room would, would meet Christ. Um, others of you, that this is your first communion, this would be very, very, very memorable experience. Anyway, um, let me set it up this way. Jesus was having a good day and a bad day in the same day. And, and sometimes we don't think about Jesus having a bad day, um, because we, but he was fully God and fully man. And so he experienced good times and bad times just like we do. And so he had just sent his disciples out on like a, a, a mission. They, he sent them out in twos and said, y'all go do ministry. And they all came back and they're reporting to him. They've been incredibly successful. And Jesus is trying to listen to them but people keep interrupting. Have you ever been in that conversation where somebody's always interrupting you? Like you're in the, you're like, and somebody's patting you on the shoulder and patting you on the shoulder and patting you on the, what you wanna do is give them the elbow in the name of Jesus, right? And so, so Jesus is like, all right, all right, all right, guys, guys, guys. I got a plan. Let's get away. Let, let's get away to a, to a quiet place where we can rest and relax and decompress. Does that sound good to anybody? That, that, that's Jesus and he's telling his guys that. Now his guys are excited because they've been working, they're tired and they go away with Jesus and they get to this place 
and there's a problem. Somebody leaked the information to where they were going. And it wasn't just a few people there. There were thousands of people. Now, we've talked about this before. Every single person in this room has faked a phone call at least once in your life. You saw that person coming, you're like, oh, dear God. How you doing? How's your mama and them? Yeah, oh, child's coming. You've done that. Or you've ducked into another room. You, you, looked at the, you looked at the ring doorbell camera and you did not go to the door. You know who you are. You know who you are right now. You're not looking up, you're looking down. I can tell every one of you. But you can't hide from, I'm about to show you, there, there were thousands of people there. And when Jesus walks around the corner, he sees thousands of people and the disciples come around, they're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. He's going to love on these people. He's going to teach them. He's going to heal them. He's going to do awesome things. And we're just going to stand here and watch. Sure enough, Bible said he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. And then Luke tells us this, and this is fascinating. Watch this. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. I'm, I'm just gonna be honest. There's, there's some things you're probably never going to hear me say ever. Like you'll never hear me say, hey y'all, check out this picture. Uh, Shannon and I decided to get two kittens. Like you're never gonna hear that, right? <laughs> you're never gonna hear me say, I traded in my truck for a Prius. Like, like you're not, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. And one of the things you're never gonna hear me say, ever, 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 and some of you have said this and I don't understand you, is I got so caught up in whatever I was doing, I forgot to eat. I've never had nothing. I don't forget to eat. In fact, I work extra meals. And I remember going to, a, to Kenya one time on a mission trip and I was, we were going through the agenda and when we got done, any questions? Yes, sir, Perry, where's lunch? Perry, we're on a mission trip for Jesus. I know. Where's lunch? I mean, that was, that was my question. I, I don't forget. I, it would have to be something absolutely spectacular for me to forget to eat. Now think about that and think about thousands of people. Something caused thousands of people to forget to eat. More specifically, Someone caused thousands of people to forget to eat. And it was this man named Jesus. They had never seen anybody love people like this man loved people. They had never heard anyone teach with authority like this man taught with authority. They had never seen anybody heal like this man could heal. And thousands of people were so captivated by him that they completely forgot to eat. But then the 12 disciples see there's, there's a danger. There's a danger in getting so close to Jesus that we kind of get used to him. They're like, okay, yeah, yeah. Another, another blind guy can see. Another deaf guy can hear. Oh. God can walk. <laughs> Always telling the story about the sheep again. We know what happens to the sheep. He finds the sheep, right? 
It's, it's, and so they, they start paying attention to other things and they lose sight of the supernatural. And that's one of the things I don't ever want us to, to take for granted. I don't, like, for, did you know since we've started Second Chance, we have not had one single Sunday that someone didn't meet Christ. I want you to listen. That's not normal. And that's why on, on social, I put up the number every week. You know why? I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate it because if we don't celebrate things, they just become normal. And the last thing in the world we ever want salvation to be in this church is normal. It's supernatural, and it should be celebrated every single time it happens. Amen? All right. So, so they're, they're standing there, and Jesus is teaching, and they're like, Who's going, I don't know. Somebody's got, I mean, we thought he was going to preach a message, but he's obviously preaching the entire series. Somebody, okay, well, we got to talk to him. So we, Jesus, we're, we are concerned for the people. We love these people. They need some food. They're not talking about that. It was really them. And I, I, love, I love what Jesus does. Watch this. This is, this is crazy. Um, but Jesus said, you feed them. Has Jesus ever asked you to do something and you were like, huh? You feed them. Okay. But, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered. They were being smart aleck because what they were. They, weren't, they didn't believe in, in the miracle. They were, they were actually, this is like sarcasm back towards Jesus. I don't know if you've ever been sarcastic towards Jesus or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. Now, let me pause real quick. Back in the day, during this time period, women and children did not count. In fact, it, it was Jesus that actually added value to women and children. It, it was Jesus, in fact, you can, you can trace back value being added to the women and children to the teachings of Jesus. It wasn't, the listen, the government doesn't determine your value. Culture does not determine your value. Jesus determines your value, and Jesus says that you are valuable no matter what other people say about you. But back to the story, women and children during this time period did not count. Are you with me? Women and children did not, so you got 5,000 men. Scholars say there's probably about 15 to 20,000 people there. This is a lot of people to feed, right? You, you can't even get this done at Golden Corral. I mean, this is, this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a big deal. So you got 15,000 people there and, <laughs> and they said, we got five loaves of bread and two fish. Now I saw this and this is fascinating. Stay with me here for just a second. Where did they get the five loaves and two fish? If you know the story, tell, tell me. If you know the story, tell me. A little boy, a little boy. In fact, John tells us that. John says, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Now, I'm sure this isn't a humongous surprise, but Jesus winds up feeding these thousands of people with five loaves and two fish. But here's something I've never seen, and I hope it encourages somebody today. Jesus got the substance for the miracle 
from someone who society said did not count. And there's somebody in this room or somebody watching online that at some point, whether it's society or religious society, has told you that you don't count. But whoever counted you out can't count because God has a habit of taking people that do not count and saying, that's who I'm going to use to bring about the miracle. He did it all through scripture and he'll do it for us. That's what he does. So, so God's looking at, at, at like, how do you do this miracle? And Jesus is like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that boy. And so, so the Bible goes on to say this, and th- this is insane. Watch this. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down and groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. That's the miracle. Getting 5,000 men to do something at the same, because men, men will get, women and children typically will, are more likely to go along. Men get mad at everything. Men get mad in the parking lot. You need to park right here. I don't want to park there. I want to park down there. I want to park, park down there. I'm parked down there. We got the video, sir. You will be a sermon illustration. Don't worry. It's going to be awesome. What's funny is 20 men just got nervous. <laughs> but I understand that as a man. I don't like to be told what to do. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine organizing 15 to 20,000 people in groups of 50? Okay, 48, 49, 50. Okay, you, okay, you all want to be? Okay, y'all can be? Okay, you, you know what? Just, just sit near each other. You can't be together. Just 50 and 50. Let's just get this done. This is what I want to say about this because it kind of stuck out to me. Um, they had to position themselves to receive the miracle. And a lot of times we don't get the miracle because we don't position ourselves to receive the miracle. I'm, I'm super thankful that we got a full house today. And, and if you walked in this building today, this is one of the things I know about you. You have positioned, you positioned yourself in a place where you can experience the presence of God. We got people watching online and, and maybe you live too far away um, and you can't drive here and super thankful. But for those of you that are watching online in Anderson, what in the, why would you watch online when you can position yourself in the house? I, it, it's it's kind of like how, when people tell me I'm not experiencing the presence of God during the week. My, my question is, I'm not being mean, but like, do you position yourself to experience his presence? Because a lot of times we, what we're blaming on God is actually our fault because we're not putting ourselves in the position to experience his presence. I'm thankful that I had a mother that for the first 11 years positioned me in the house of God. Church attendance was not an option. My mom made me go. And then what the Bible says in Proverbs turned out to be true, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it because he cannot depart from it because the anchor that was placed in our hearts was placed so deep that we couldn't walk away from Jesus if we tried. Position yourself. That's why I'm so glad. That's why I'm so glad that we have a children's ministry right now that is active and alive and we have our kids positioned in a place to prosper. That's why I'm thankful that we have students on Wednesday nights because we have a position for our students to hear and learn about Jesus in a way they can understand. It blows my mind when parents bring their 18-year-old to the church and say, fix them. 
but you never position them for any sort of spiritual success. I, I, are, are you in a position today to receive what Jesus wants to pour into you? That's why, that's why I love the story of Zacchaeus. Y'all know the story of Zacchaeus. He's a wee little man, and wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. You know what he was doing? He was positioning himself. And because he put himself in a position where he could see Jesus, Jesus wound up saying, I'm going to your house. I'm going to your house because you positioned yourself in a place where you could see me. And Zacchaeus, I'm going to honor that today and go to your house. See, anytime we position ourselves to receive from Jesus, he doesn't leave us empty-handed. Now, we haven't got the communion yet, so y'all got to listen faster. <laughs> now, watch what happens. This, this, is where, this is what blew my mind. This is what blew my mind. I've never taught on this about communion. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. Now, there's an order here, and it stands out. Y'all watch this. He took it, and he blessed it. Then he broke it, and then he gave it. He took it, blessed it, broke it, and gave it. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it and he gave it. And I'm like, that, that order right there is so powerful. Let me tell you why. Because I can see it working out in the individual life of a follower of Christ. First of all, Jesus, if you're here today and you belong to Jesus, it's because he took you by the hand. Shannon and I are celebrating um, our one-year anniversary next month. Don't clap, don't, don't clap. Wait till next month and clap. We haven't made it a year yet. Um, but we're celebrating a year. And, and I remember last year when we went on our honeymoon, um, we flew out of Greenville to Atlanta and we flew from Atlanta to, to the Bahamas. Now in Greenville, I'm nice because people kind of know me in Greenville. But once I get out of the upstate, listen, Pastor Perry and Airport Perry are two very different people. Siri, I am not talking to you. So we got in the airport in Atlanta and you know, I, I, airports drive me crazy because people crowd around the gate, people crowd around the gate, people crowd around the gate. And uh, they, they, they said, we're getting ready to board. And I took Shannon by the hand. And I said, stay right behind me. I put her right here. I said, stay right behind me, baby, right behind me. She said, what are we gonna do? I said, we're gonna get on the plane. <laughs> she said, baby, there's so many people in front of us. I was like, I know. You ever been bowling? <laughs> we about to go bowling, baby. I took her, because had I not taken her by the hand, I swear, she's so nice, she would have let everybody get on the plane before us. No, y'all go. Y'all, I know, I know. You know what? Oh, you don't have tickets? Take ours. Like, she's so nice. I'm not nice. I'm like, we get, I took her by the hand. I said, follow me. The whole time she's like, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about this. We're like, we got people flying all over the place. I got on the plane. I started thinking about that. And I started thinking about the, the, the reason there's anything good in my life is because Jesus took me by the hand. Jesus 
took an interest in me before I was ever interested in him. If you're here today, you're sitting in this room or you're watching online, Jesus has reached down his hand at some point and he's taken you out of a pit. He's taken you out of a toxic environment. He has taken you out of a bad thing. He has taken you and the reason that you're standing today is because he took you out of a situation that had you stayed in it, it would have killed you. But he took you. And then, and then he blessed them. I was, uh, I was watching TikTok the other night. I watch TikTok every night. Every night. Don't judge me. I ain't watching no nudie TikToks because Shannon watches them with me. That'd be weird. And there was this guy on there. It made me mad. At first, I was happy he got back in his car and he's like, I just filled up my gas tank. And I'm like, there we go. There we go. Let's talk about how hot them gas prices are. Let's get them. Get them. <laughs> and then he said this. He said, you know what I started to do? I started to get on here and talk about how high gas prices are and complain. But you know what? God convicted me. And I was like, oh, crap. He said, instead of complaining about how high the gas prices are, God told me, why don't you just thank me that you had the money to fill up your tank? Yeah. Oh, you're clapping. I didn't follow this, but I ain't, I ain't, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But isn't that true? We get mad at so many things when at the end of the day, there's not a person in this room that is not Blessed. Now, I'm not saying circumstances are perfect, but at the end of the day, would you admit you're blessed? I went to the grocery store this week. You know what? My groceries cost a little bit more today than they did a year ago, but I had the money to pay for the groceries. I'm blessed. If you walked in here today, you're blessed. If you can hear with your ears, you're blessed. If you can see with your eyes, you're blessed. If you lived inside last night, you're blessed. If you had options in your closet this morning, you're blessed. There are people in this room, we, we don't un even understand how blessed we are. We look at our situation and say, I wish I could get out of it. And millions of people would look at that situation and say, I wish I could get into it. We're blessed. We're blessed. Some people, some people think blessed is having everything you want. That's spoiled. I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed. God, I'm blessed. So he took it, he blessed it, and then he, then he broke it. I don't like that part. Broken. There are people in this room, you have been broken. You show me somebody that's been broken and I will show you somebody that God will use in ways that will blow your mind. I got to this part, I don't like it. I don't like, I don't like the brokenness, but the Lord showed me so clearly the bread did not multiply until after it was broken. And if you want a multiplication blessing in your life, 
it usually follows the brokenness. There were times in my life I thought God was killing me, but he was breaking me. And there are people here today, you come from a broken home. You've got a broken heart. You've got broken circumstances. And I just want you to consider the possibility that could the brokenness be a setup for multiplication blessings that would absolutely blow your mind. Because God doesn't waste anything. He doesn't even waste our pain. So he took it and he blessed it and he broke it and then he gave it. He gave it. God's a giver. He is. It blows my mind when I meet people like, you should give your life to God. I don't know. He's going to take this. God, what do, you, what do you have? What could you possibly have that God wants to take from you? Created universe. I got a 1963 Corvette. Okay, I mean, he's not impressed, right? The only thing that God wants to take from you is your sin because it will kill you. That's it. So, so there's an order to it. Are we seeing the order? He took it and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. Now, let me show you why this is important. We're in Luke 9 right now. We're about to skip forward to Luke chapter um, 22, 23. We're, we're gonna skip forward, Luke in the 20s, all right? And it's the place where he's having the Lord's Supper. It's not the Last Supper. Don't call it the Last Supper because the Last Supper is going to be in heaven. And if you're a Christian, we're all going to be there and it's going to be a big, huge celebration. It's going to be awesome. That's the Last Supper. Okay, this isn't the Last Supper. But it is the Lord's Supper. And watch what happens. Watch this. He took, this is Jesus, he took some bread. He took it and gave thanks to God for it. So he blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So there's an order to it. The disciples recognized it. He, he took it and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. And I'm sure they flash back to that time where he fed 15, 20,000 people. Who was it? What was that little boy's name again? I don't know, but it's crazy. And then Jesus, Jesus said, once again, when you do the Lord's Supper, remember me. Focus on me. Put the attention on me. And then he's crucified and rose from the dead. And people were skeptical of the resurrection and were way too hard on early Christians. Because we think that on resurrection morning, there was an angel outside the tomb counting backwards from 10. 10, nine, eight, the crescendos. No, nobody was there when Jesus rose from the dead. His greatest like victory he walks out. And I'll tell you, you know why he rose early in the morning? The why I believe so he didn't have to deal with people. It's my opinion. So he rose from the dead. And thank God for the women, because if it wouldn't have been for the women, we wouldn't know he's alive. Because the men were huddled in the corner, peeing their pants, trying to figure out what they're going to do. Women go, they come back to the men, they report to the men, Peter and John run to the tomb, and they're like, yep, he's not in there. But they didn't walk out going, he is risen. They're like, uh, we don't know. I mean, he said he's going, well, I don't. But think about this. If you went to your grandpa's funeral, and then the next day, one of your cousins came in, 
is that I was a QT and saw grandpa. None of you would go, it's a miracle. You'd be like, who else did you meet at QT and what else did you buy that you can't get at QT? You get behind QT, all right? So, so this is what's funny. If you think the Bible is boring, if you think the Bible has no humor, this story is one of my favorites because it's, anyway, so there's two disciples and they've heard about the resurrection and they're like, eh, eh. So they're walking back home. That same day of the resurrection, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're literally walking away from the miracle because they don't, they're like, eh, I don't know if he can pull that one off. We saw him do, I mean, he did, he did bring Lazarus back, but I don't know about this. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. So were they talking about Jesus, yes or no? Okay, good, 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 good. Watch this. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. How cool is that? They're walking along, Jesus is like, what's up, <laughs> Now, watch this, though. It's very important. I've heard preachers, it's so funny. I've heard preachers go off on these two men. They didn't recognize Jesus and Jesus was walking with them. Well, you idiot, read the next verse. But God kept them from recognizing him. Which gives them a pass, would you agree? This gives them a pass. It's like they're walking with Jesus and God kept them so that it wasn't like, have I, have I, you look familiar. She's like, nah, I'm not from around here. He wasn't lying. He's not from around here. He's from, anyway, so, so they, kept, they kept talking. He asked them, <laughs> what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleops, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Can you see this scene playing out? And Jesus going like, man, I have not heard. <laughs> so what things, Jesus asked, is this not great? Jesus walks up on two people having a conversation about him and now these two people are telling Jesus about Jesus. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. And then they spend time telling Jesus about what happened. And then Jesus spends some time telling them, hey guys, it was supposed to happen this way. He explains everything. And then a few verses later, the Bible says, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. Isn't this great? See you guys. Y'all be good. <laughs> and the Bible says, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. They're like, this, and hospitality is very important. It's very huge in this part of the world. It still is to this day. Sorry, no, 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 no. Just stay here with us. Stay here with us. Watch what happens because this blew my mind. 
As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. He took it and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. And Luke tells us, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. At that moment, he disappeared. When did they recognize him? On the road talking about him? No, they recognized him when he took it and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. The order of the breaking of the bread. And we see him not only doing that with the bread, but we see him doing that in people all through the scriptures. We see this right here. He took it and he blessed it and he broke it and gave it. We see it in the story of Abraham and Sarah. They, they were told they didn't count because they couldn't have a child. And he took them from a society that had counted them out. And he blessed them with a promise. But then he broke them by helping them understand it wasn't in their time, it was in his time. And then he gave them Isaac through who eventually would come the nation of Israel. He took Moses from the Nile River and he blessed him by letting him being raised in Pharaoh's court. And then he broke him by helping him understand he couldn't do it all by himself. And then he gave him the opportunity to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. He took Esther from the streets of Persia and he blessed her by allowing her to become queen. And he broke her by helping her understand it's not about you. And then he gave her the opportunity to save her nation from extermination. He took David from the sheep pen and he blessed him with an anointing and a promise. And he broke him with an awareness of his sinfulness. And then he gave him the lineage of the Messiah. He took Peter from an obscure fishing village in Galilee and he blessed him with a calling and then he broke him through his denials and then he gave him the commission to take the gospel to the world. God took Jesus from a manger in Bethlehem and he blessed him with an earthly ministry and he broke him on the cross for our sins and then he raised him back to life. That's the story of my life. He took me when I wasn't looking to be taken and he blessed me through things I couldn't even imagine. And he broke me through addiction and suffering. And then he's given me immeasurably more than I could ever imagine. We serve a God today that wants to take and, and bless and break and give. And that's what he wants to do for every single one of us. I don't know where you are in the process. But I know this moment right here, this moment right here, this moment right here, we're supposed to focus on Jesus. So all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Jesus, thank you. May we pause right now and just recognize you as Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we're about to take communion. But before we do, I want to ask you, have you ever given your life to Christ? If you haven't given your life to Christ, if you're not a Christian, I'm going to ask you 
to accept Christ today. And if you're not gonna do that, you're not ready, that's fine. I would ask you to not take communion because communion is something that believers celebrate. But if you're here and you've never prayed to receive Christ, you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, and you know today you need Jesus in your life. You know that for a fact. Then right where you sit right now, I want you to pray with me. I just want you to pray this in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I surrender everything to you. You are Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, I wanna pray for you. Do me a favor and put your hands straight up in the air right now, just straight up in the air right now. Amen, 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 amen. All over the room, hold them up, hold them up, hold them up. Father, I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you that you just changed lives through a communion message. Jesus, there is no one like you. There is no one greater. There is no one higher. And heads still bowed and eyes still closed. If you're in the room and you are a Christian, but maybe you've, maybe you've kind of drifted a little bit. Maybe you're not where you need to be. Hey, that's okay. Today's the day you hit the reset button. Today's the day you hit the reset button. Right now, right now, whatever that thing is that you need to give to Jesus, you just give it to him. We love you, Jesus. We do this in your honor. In your name we pray, amen. If you don't mind, take your communion cups. Get your communion cup. Give everybody just a second to get this. You peel off the top layer. to wait till I hear a minimum amount of movement. This represents the body of Christ. Jesus, this is a reminder that Jesus literally came to earth, physically gave his life, took our sin and shame so we could live in complete freedom. So let's recognize the body of Christ and be thankful that Jesus took our place. If you'll prepare the juice, this is a reminder that Jesus literally poured out his blood for us. And by him shedding his blood, we are forgiven for sin, all sin. So let's celebrate and recognize the blood of Jesus. You know, one thing I remember from communion is I never really experienced it. And in, in, like in, in church, it was always a somber occasion. 
and everything was always kind of intense. But I was like, this is, no, no, wait, 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 wait. I gotta, I, this is something we should celebrate. This is something we should be thankful for. This is something we shouldn't walk out of here with our heads held down. We should walk out of here with our heads held like we actually are on the winning team because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords gave his life for us. So I was just wondering before we ended today if we couldn't just give Jesus a round of applause and say thank you Jesus for saving me. Thank you Jesus for loving me. Thank you Jesus for taking me and breaking me.